You know, I do believe that those who attend worship on the Sunday after Christmas receive an extra blessing. <laughs> yeah, you can clap for that. Clap for, your, clap for yourselves, you know? Clap for yourselves. You've made it through. Merry Christmas to you. Scandal. It's the title of a popular television show starring Carrie Washington, but it could just as easily be the title of the Christmas story in the Gospel of Matthew. Four scandalous women appear in the genealogy of Jesus, Tamar, Rahab, Ruth, Bathsheba. Now, Matthew tells us, the birth of Jesus took place in this way. There was a man named Joseph who was getting ready to break it off with his fiancée, Mary, and leave her because he found out she was pregnant with a child that wasn't his. I want us all to sit with that for a moment. It's a scandal. The story of Christmas begins with pain, anxiety, disappointment of a broken relationship, and the looming possibility of separation, abandonment, and dismissal. In Matthew's vision, the birth of Jesus begins as bad news for Joseph and bad news for Mary because it opens up as the scandalous news of a child conceived out of wedlock and the paternity results say Joseph is not the father. At Christmas, we often get so excited about the good news that we often skip over this critically important part of the story. Don't let the presence of the Holy Spirit or the intervention of the angel cause you to miss the key plot marker here. Right from the very beginning, this whole incarnation thing was up in the air because the very human beings God needed to make it happen were wrapped up in a scandal and getting ready to walk away from each other. We're told that Joseph was a righteous man who followed the commandments as they are found in the Torah. And the law in those days was pretty clear on this subject. In Deuteronomy 22, it states that a woman in Mary's predicament could be cast aside quite easily, legally, and perhaps even put to death, some say. Joseph's righteousness left him in a profound ethical crisis. He wanted to keep the law, but he also wanted to protect Mary at the same time, so he resolved that he, would, he could only maintain his commitment to the law and save her from humiliation by dismissing her quietly. And that way, he could continue to abide by the commandments and at the same time prevent Mary from facing public disgrace. And so Joseph devised this novel solution to a complex legal conundrum, an ethical conundrum. And what we often miss when we read this story is that in those days, the right thing to do in this particular situation was to break ties and to walk away. It's interesting, legal does not always mean right, and right does not always mean just. Even though Joseph was doing everything right in the eyes of the law, the story is about the entrance of a new kind of morality and a new kind of ethics on the horizon of history, a new form of justice and righteousness that God is bringing into the world in contrast with the old way of living. One night an angel appeared to Joseph in a dream and challenged all of his religious and self-righteous predispositions by saying, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. 
And when he woke from the dream, Joseph decided, in spite of his fears, in spite of his religious convictions, in spite of his commitment to the law, to go against his own instincts and move beyond his own limited understanding of what was right and good and to stay with Mary, even though she was pregnant with a child that wasn't his. Joseph decided to take the child that Mary was carrying, to give it a name in this story, to call it his own. It was for all practical purposes, an adoption. Which is fascinating because Augustus Caesar, the emperor of Rome, was also adopted. And so the story of the birth of Jesus, the story of Christmas, begins with this scandal that is resolved through a profound change of heart. Joseph turns away from his plans to separate from Mary and instead makes a choice to be with her, to be with the child. And Joseph's decision to stay with Mary in many ways recalls the beautiful words of Jesus' great-grandmother Ruth, what she spoke to Naomi. Do not press me to leave you, she said, or to turn back from following you. Where you go, I will go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people. Your God shall be my God. The Anglican theologian Sam Wells says the most important word in the Bible is the word with. Yet we seem to prefer the word for. He claims when we, when we care about people at Christmas, we want to do something for them. If our relationship with someone is faltering, our instinct is to just do something for them. We praise those who spend their lives doing things for others. This time of year, we cook for people, we buy presents for people, we offer charity for and these are good, warm-hearted gestures, but somehow they don't get to the heart of the problem. We give someone a gift, yet a divide still exists between us and them. We wear ourselves out showing hospitality, yet we never have that honest conversation. We make fine gestures of charity, and yet the poor are still strangers to us. Four is a fine word but it does not dismantle resentment or overcome misunderstanding or deal with alienation and loneliness and isolation. What often makes our attempts at charity sometimes seem hollow is not that they're not genuine or helpful or kind, but what isolated, grieving, impoverished people usually need is not more gifts, but the faithful presence of someone who really, truly cares about them as a person, as a human being. Wells goes on to say, in a lot of ways, being with someone is harder than being for someone. We can be for someone without a conversation, a real relationship, a genuine shaping of our lives to welcome and to incorporate them. But we all fear being with because it seems to ask more of us than we can give. And yet the reality is there is truly nothing in some circumstances that we can do for anyone. It's a helpless feeling to know that we can't fix everything for someone or do everything for them that will make it better. And there are many situations where that's exactly the case. A few years ago, I was in one of those situations myself. I was in one of the most difficult times in my own life, going through a painful divorce. Seemed like there was really nothing, anything anybody could do for me. People tried to do things for me. But I needed time to process through grief and loss, and that was work that I had to do actually for myself. But like Job, I had family and friends 
who are willing to simply be with me in the midst of suffering and pain, to sit with me in the dust and the ashes of my grief and my pain. At the time, I thought they were all just being kind. But now I realize my family and friends were being the very presence of God, sitting with me in the midst of the bleakness of my life at that moment. The story of Joseph's decision to stay with Mary and the child is an example of radical solidarity, of making the hard decision to be with someone. It's what true faith and love look like in a world when they are no longer an abstract concept but embodied in real life. And yet, Joseph's act of solidarity and fidelity and love is simply just a microcosm of the larger and grander narrative in this story of God's decision to come and be with us. There's that word with again, with, the most important word in the Bible because with is the most important aspect of God's character and identity. With is the way God relates to God's own self in the Trinity. And with is the way that God relates to us as human being and to all of creation. When the angel spoke to Joseph in that dream, it quoted from the prophet Isaiah and proclaimed, Behold, she shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall name him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. The most stunning part of the Christmas story is not that Mary conceived a child out of wedlock by the Holy Spirit or that an angel spoke to Joseph in a dream or that he, even that he decided to stay with Mary. It is that God refuses to abandon us and wants to be with us so desperately that God moved heaven and earth to enter into human flesh just to be with us. What we celebrate at Christmas is this startling promise of divine solidarity. Emmanuel means that God is with us in fidelity and love. It is the annunciation of God's intimate and enduring presence in our lives and in our world over and over again. This is what the Bible says. God makes the same promise to God's people collectively and individually. I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. This is the most common divine refrain in all of Scripture, God's presence, a resounding desire for relationships of solidarity. And yet it's not hard to see why people, whether they be the Hebrew people or us today, might dismiss this promise. When they were laboring through slavery in Egypt, were starving in the wilderness, were suffering under exploitation of the judges and oppression of the kings or mourning in captivity and exile or struggling under the occupation of Rome, it was hard for the Israelites to know that God was with them. In the Holocaust, imagine understanding that God was with them. To believe that God was faithful and loving, to believe in Emmanuel was an existential challenge. It is very hard to believe that God is with us when life is so filled with pain and loss, tragedy, oppression, and injustice. It's much easier to dismiss God, to believe that God is only with us maybe in times when things are good. Today in our world, it is hard for us to believe that God is with us in the midst of vast economic disparity, racial injustice, political division. And as we enter now into the third year of a devastating global pandemic with this Variant, this new variant looming on us, 
It's hard. But the good news of Christmas is that God is abiding with us and standing with us and weeping with us and rejoicing with us in and through everything we face in life. And so for us this season, the question we must ask is, what would it mean for us to hold on to this promise of Emmanuel? To truly hold on to the reality that God is with us no matter the circumstances we face. I recently rediscovered the meaning of Emmanuel in a surprising place. In the music of a Compton, California hip-hop artist named Kendrick Lamar. Yes, the Spirit speaks in unlikely places, I'm sure you're thinking. A few years ago, a lot of people don't know this story, but Kendrick Lamar took a trip to South Africa where he witnessed the struggle of people whose lives are ten times harder than his growing up in Compton. But he also experienced a faith in God that he'd never experienced before, a faith that was deeper than anything he'd ever seen. And when he returned home, he wrote a song entitled, All Right. It opens with a line from the Academy Award-winning film, The Color Purple. And the line is, all my life I had to fight. And then the song goes on to say, hard times like God, bad trips, God, Nazareth, I'm messed up, you're messed up, but if God's got us, then we're going to be all right. I'm messed up, you're messed up, but if God's got us, we're going to be all right. Then he says, do you hear me? Do you feel me? We're going to be all right. And that's the phrase, we're going to be all right. We're going to be all right. The song was a massive hit, as you can imagine. It won a Grammy in 2016. Kendrick Lamar later won a Pulitzer Prize for writing. And this song became the anthem of a generation, sung in protests all over the country. The chorus still keeps getting stuck in my head every year at Christmas because it's so similar to what we hear at this season. If God's got us, then we're going to be all right. Such a simple statement. And yet so much scripture there. When injustice and oppression and death are constantly bearing down on you and things seem hopeless, to sing those words is a profound expression of trust and faith and hope. It is a God-filled song of protest in the midst of a godless world. Kendrick Lamar's song captures exactly what Emmanuel and Christmas is about. God has got us. God came to be with us. And if God is with us, then no matter what happens, it's going to be all right. In the eighth chapter of his famous letter to the church in Rome, the Apostle Paul said the very same thing. For I am convinced that neither life nor death nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all of creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ. And in that same chapter, he went on to say, if God is with us, then who can be against us? These words can fill our lungs with hope and our hearts with courage. They can give us the fortitude and the bravery to face a bleak and dangerous world, which ironically is exactly what the angel afforded Joseph at that moment when he turned his life around and helped make the Christmas story Christmas. The angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. Have courage, take heart, stay with her. You can be with her. 
Here in the angel's words, we discover that if we want to be a part of what God is doing in the world at Christmas, the first step for us is to overcome our fears, to face our fears, to admit our fears, to find the courage to cling to the words that Kendrick Lamar and Paul or the psalmist sing, if God is with us, then we're going to be all right. If God is with us, then who can stand against us? If God is with us, then who shall we fear? Just like the Israelites, we live in a time of great social transition. Seems like there is never-ending conflict, chaos, and change in our world. Anxiety, grief, distress, unrest, pain bear down on us and threaten to overwhelm us every day. Oppression and injustice rear their ugly head. Differences seem to divide us. Forces threaten to separate us further and further from one another as Americans, as humans, as church members. The great temptation for us is to simply walk away from God and walk away from each other. But the good news of Christmas is that we are not alone and that we can live through the challenges of life because of Emmanuel, because God is with us. And if we can hold on to that promise that God is with us with faith and hope, then we are going to be all right. We don't have to walk away from each other. We don't have to be divided from each other. God is with us. And we can live with courage. We can have the courage to cross the divide, to overcome our fears, to walk through the devastation and loneliness of our world hand in hand together as God's people. One of the saints who taught us this the most just died yesterday, the great Archbishop Desmond Tutu. What a loss this will be for our world, but in so many ways, Desmond Tutu embodied Emmanuel, embodied God with us, crossing the divide between enemies, bringing down apartheid. Desmond Tutu once said in a quote, God's dream is that you and I and all people come to realize that we are family, that we are made for togetherness, that we are made for goodness, that we are made for compassion. So how do we celebrate this startling promise of divine solidarity that is Emmanuel and the incredible news that God is with us? How do we celebrate that? We celebrate by making a decision like Joseph to stick together with each other even when things are hard even when things are scandalous, to, to stay with each other, to live in solidarity with one another, no matter how hard the situation is. We celebrate by sticking with and staying with people in need, showing up and being present with those in pain and poverty and distress, even when there is nothing we can do for them except simply be with them. We celebrate by sticking it out, with our friends and family. We celebrate by sticking it out and staying with each other as a church community in good times and in bad without trying to fix one another. That's how we rebuild community. That's how we survive a global pandemic. We celebrate by standing with those who are hurting and sitting with them in their grief and their sadness, even when there is nothing we can do or say to take their pain away. We celebrate by listening and walking with people, even those we find the most difficult, even those who might be our enemies, as Desmond Tutu showed us. And we celebrate 
by being with God as God was with us. Rather than rushing around in our anxiety, trying to find more things to do, we sit with God and be with God. God descended into our messy world in our anxiety to stand with us, to be with all who suffer, to show us a life of fidelity and love. And the greatest act of solidarity, God then entered into our brokenness and pain and even died on a cross in solidarity with all of humanity and the abandon of the world, embodying Emmanuel all the way to death. And then God came back and said, Lo, I will be with you even to the end of the age. Our calling at Christmas is to learn what it means to be with others in the way that God has come to be with us in Christ, to learn to mirror our lives after the one who lived a life of solidarity and fidelity and love. And yes, we are fearful people in a fearful world, and it will take great courage for us to learn how to live this way. But just like the angel said to Joseph, God says to us, do not be afraid. And like Isaiah, God says, do not fear. For I have redeemed you, I have called you by name, and you are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And the river shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through fire, you shall not be burned. The flame shall not consume you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. Emmanuel means that we can stay with each other and stick it out through the fires and the waters of this life, through pandemics and partisanship, through the pain and the difficulty, because God will never leave us or forsake us. God will never abandon us, and God will not allow us to face our perils alone. Emmanuel means that God is always with us, and if God is with us, then who can be against us? If God is with us, then what should we fear? If God is with us, then we're going to be all right. Do you hear me? Do you feel me? We're going to be all right. Merry Christmas. Amen.